Hello and welcome to week two of Just Doing Our Cobb. My name is Casey Serma. And I'm Robbie Harbin. And today we'll be talking about uh, the Super Bowl game against the Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers. Some other things like we'll be previewing the XFL, which starts next weekend. And of course, we will be doing an NBA mock draft later for the All-Star game. So let's get into it. Obviously, for our first topic of the show, we're going to have to talk about the Super Bowl when we get into our rundown. Robbie, what did you think of the Super Bowl last night? My first thought, right after the game ended, Damian Williams was robbed of the MVP. I'll get to that, though, more in a minute. Um, You know, I really thought that the Super Bowl last night was kind of boring up until that fourth quarter. Um, You know, Pat Mahomes, we were expecting, like, some great performance all game, and he really struggled on. You know, we kind of showed that he was human for the first three quarters, and that 49ers defense was pretty good. You know, Nick Bosa was getting a lot of pressure. They were causing a lot of ruckus in the backfield with uh, Mahomes. Damian Williams was pretty consistent all night. Then on the opposite side, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo looked actually pretty sharp during like we were both expecting him to come in make some big plays with his arm possibly lead the 49ers to a win so he he did impress me up until that kind of that fourth quarter which you know some of its play calling some of its him missing throws like he had Emmanuel Sanders wide open on that possible go-ahead touchdown with you know a minute whatever left so you know there was a lot of a lot of things that I was expecting to see you know Pat Mahomes in the fourth quarter was the Pat Mahomes we were all expecting to get. Nick Bosa constantly getting pressure. Um, Ultimately, it ended up being a a pretty good game, I'd say, considering. Just because, I mean, the 49ers looked like they were going to put it away, especially after Mahomes threw that second second interception where he threw it a bit behind Tyreek Hill and he couldn't get his hands on it because that looked like it was going to be a killer. That looked like it was going to be over. Um, So I'm just glad that we ended up getting a pretty good game, pretty good ending. What do you think? What do you think about it, Casey? Yeah, I thought what you said was pretty accurate. I thought it was kind of boring up until some points, but I don't know. At the end, when it was 24-20 to and the Chiefs were up, I just had this feeling that Jimmy G was going to go down the field and score, make it 27-24. Pat Mahomes was going to go down the field and score, make it 27-27 with the amount of overtime games we've seen lately. Obviously, that didn't happen. That was kind of what I was hoping for. I really wasn't rooting for either team. Just to kind of see an overtime game between those two would have been cool. But overall, I thought it was a pretty good game. No real mishaps with the officials, which I thought was something that was going to happen in this game. A lot of problems with that this season but other than that i thought it was a good super bowl just average yeah i think some of the biggest problems last night came from kyle shanahan's clock management i mean geez louise if if andy reed is the better clock manager out of the two coaches in a game that is that's kind of bad <laughs> i mean kyle shanahan struggled like you know you look at before the the first half ended and they had three timeouts and they wasted the clock for the punt just thought they could save that one extra timeout, but I feel like, you know, 10 out of 10 times, you'd want that extra 40 seconds, and then he comes out with a run play that didn't really do anything, and then, he, you know, they do throw that deep ball to George Kittle, who got called for the OPI, which that one, that was a little questionable of a call. I mean... If you think it was OPI, that's fine. If you don't think it was OPI, that's fine. It was it was a kind of a bang bang play that they ended up obviously calling. I don't think that super changed the outcome of the game, but you know Kyle Shanahan just some of the stuff he did last night. You know, I mean he relied so heavily on his run game to get here. And then last night he threw 31 passes with Jimmy G, only 22 rushing attempts, and only 12 with Raheem Moser, who absolutely went nuts in the NFC Championship game and was doing relatively well. Average about five yards a carry last night. Tevin Coleman only five carries, but. He 
he averaged about 5.6 yards a carry, and Kyle Shanahan just made some questionable decisions, I feel like. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, they had the game plan and the recipe for success last week against the Packers. D, a very similar defense to what Andy Reid runs and just similar personnel. Average defense in the NFL, you would think they would come out and attack it with the same way. I thought Tevin Coleman was going to get a lot more carries because they were kind of keeping him on the DL the whole day, the whole week about questionable. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? We got He got the first carry of the game, and after that, that was pretty much it for Tevin Coleman. So... I don't know. I just question a lot of what Kyle Shanahan did last night. Obviously, we can say from afar, he did should have did this, he should have did that. But when it comes down to crunch time in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan's record is not that good. It, that is definitely for sure. I mean, obviously, you had that meltdown with the Falcons back when he was the offensive coordinator. But, you know, again, like last night, it just seemed like the 49ers struggled to get their playmakers the ball as well as Kansas City did. You know, Kansas City was constantly giving the ball off to Damian Williams, constantly looking for Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. And then, I mean, you got a guy like George Kittle who only had four catches for 36 yards. And he had seven targets, but... But that, that seems a little low for George Kittle and what just the beast of a tight end he is. You know, I mean, Kyle Juszczyk had a, a great game last night for the 49ers. He had three catches for 39 yards and a touchdown. In no way, shape, or form did I think coming into this game that Kyle Juszczyk would have more receiving yards than George Kittle. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, yesterday it was kind of funny. Me and my friend were actually... I was doing filling out fan duels before the game, and my friend, I was like, what if Kyle Juszczyk scores two touchdowns tonight? I think I should have him in my lineup. And he almost scored that second one. I was about ready to wring his neck. But I would have definitely, I had George Kittle in every single one. And to have Kyle Juszczyk, who, as you said, had more receiving yards than George Kittle, that's just something I didn't think I would see yesterday. <laughs> now, here's a question for you, Casey, is if I would have told you just going into this game that the Chiefs would have 10 points through three quarters and Pat Mahomes would have two interceptions on the night, what would you have put their chances at? I would have put their chances at absolutely zero. If if that's how the 49ers defense got to Pat Mahomes on any other day, I would have imagined that the 49ers would have at least put up what they put up against the Packers, too. I was thinking that if they were able to score on that on Kansas City like they were, um, the game would have been over. But, I mean, I guess Pat Magic Mahomes in the fourth quarter came through again. And it seemed like the 49ers were doing what they wanted to. You know, coming out of the third quarter, they ran the ball. They got a couple scores, scored 10 points pretty much right off the bat. And they kept Pat Mahomes off the field for a total of like 56 actual minutes between snaps. That's what you want to do when you're playing Pat Mahomes. You want him on the sideline as much as possible. And he obviously did not play his best game ever last night. He looked, you know, like I said earlier, he looked human. He was missing throws. Um, He actually made a lot of plays with his legs, which he's kind of made throughout these playoffs. I mean, you look at that immaculate run he had. Um, in the conference championship game. But, you know, do you think Pat Mahomes was deserving of last night's MVP? No, I'm kind of on your side now with uh, the Damian Williams argument after you convinced me. I feel like if if there's not a real like superstar player like if Damian Williams didn't go for 200 yards last night which he didn't then I think it always gets defaulted to the QB for some reason in most Super Bowls that's how it is I think after looking at Damian Williams stats he definitely should have been more deserving than Pat Mahomes of that award especially because Damian Williams was kind of a constant factor throughout the entire game like he was constantly you give him the ball he'd be able to make a play granted they weren't you know huge chunk plays but he could get you five or six yards at a time he ended up averaging 6.1 yards a carry last night and then obviously he had some receptions out of the backfield and then you know I kind of mentioned to you before we started recording that on that sideline throw that 
Mahomes had to Sammy Watkins. Williams threw a great block on the left side on protected Mahomes' blind side. It's exactly what a running back should do. Like you look at Kyle Shanahan, Devontae Freeman didn't do that in that Super Bowl against the Patriots, and it resulted in a strip sack where the Patriots were able to come back. You know, if Damian Williams doesn't make that block, if Damian Williams doesn't do a lot of things last night that he did, he played a, about as well as you can for a running back with what you're given. I think he very much deserved the MVP award. Yeah, I think that too. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened if he would have got the MVP award, if the online fallout would have been Mahomes deserves it, Mahomes deserves it, look at how he played in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there because Mahomes won it, and that, I guess that's the end of the story. Yeah, it's just sometimes it's too saturated about what happens in the fourth quarter and just, you know, with quarterbacks because you got a guy, Damian Williams, who was constantly producing the entire game, and then Pat Mahomes, who was a big part of why they were behind earlier on with his couple interceptions and then he ends up obviously playing great in the fourth quarter I'm not taking away what Pat Mahomes did in the fourth quarter but I just think Damian Williams constantly being a factor of what Kansas City was doing right all game should have earned him the nod on MVP yeah that's for sure uh Super Bowl was definitely a pretty solid Super Bowl and uh, I'm sure we'll get into that more later in the show Next on our current news, Spencer Dinwiddie and the rest of the NBA's number changes um, because of Kobe Bryant. What do you think on this whole subject, Robbie? I love it. You know, I think I'm not going to try to be the one to force anyone to change their number. If you are a guy like Buddy Heald or Justin Holliday, Lee Johnson, then you want to keep a number eight or number 24 to honor Kobe Bryant, go for it. It's just the fact that all these players are thinking of Kobe Bryant. That's so amazing. Like Spencer Dinwiddie, I love especially because he's be quickly becoming one of my favorite players because what he's doing with what, what he's doing with his jersey is that people can take his number eight jersey into the Brooklyn Nets store and get it exchanged for a number 26 jersey. And it's something like if you send your condolences to the Bryant family or I believe it was send your condolences or like your regrets to the Bryant family, then he would actually sign a jersey and send it to you, which I think is just so cool, so amazing. And then you have other guys that like Terrence Ross changed his number pretty quickly i think quinn cook what he's doing is awesome how he's changing from number two to 28 because the number two to uh, represent gianna bryant kobe's daughter then the number eight to represent kobe obviously you know that kind of puts a lot of pressure on you because you want to represent them in the best way possible but i think it's awesome what a lot of what a lot of these players are doing yeah i agree it's it's a really nice thing to see obviously it with the nba coming together kind of as a family and a family atmosphere and this obviously it's a week later now and still some of the saddest news that I've ever heard but I think it's really nice that a lot of the players are paying tributes in their own ways and I don't understand the attacks on a lot of players like Alizé Johnson and Paul George for putting on the number 24 or keeping it as long as like they're not doing it out of spite they they do it because they love Kobe Bryant that was their mentor like they're doing it as tribute to him and I think that's just as good if not better than them switching their number and unofficially retiring the number 24. Yeah, I mean, you look at a guy like Paul George who grew up in South Cal- Southern California. I mean, he obviously idolized Kobe Bryant growing up, competed with him on, you know, the Olympic stage and played against him time and time again. So I think, I mean, each each person has their own way of grieving. Each person has their own way of how they want to honor Kobe Bryant. And I think that none of us should decide the right way to honor somebody. So I think just all these players even thinking about it and doing it in different ways is amazing. Um, personally, I think my favorite number change is either Quinn Cook uh, going to number 28 to represent them both or from the Utah Jazz, Mia One. Well, I'm not even sure if I'm saying his name right, but he changed his number from 24 to 81. So he was obviously 24, same number Kobe Bryant used to wear. And he changed his to number 
number 81 in honor of Kobe's obviously career high against the Toronto Raptors, that 81 points, which I think that was honestly the coolest one. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's a weird number, too, because, like, no one in the NBA really wears numbers above, like, 60 anymore. I mean, Jay Crowder with the 99. There's not many above, so it's definitely, it'll stick out on the court, that's for sure. Yes, it will. I mean, like you said, I mean, just, it's so awesome what a lot of these guys are doing, and I'm intrigued to see what a number 81 jersey does look like because, yeah, nobody wears, nobody wears numbers that high in the NBA. Now we will go on to our next subject, uh, Victor Oladipo's return to the NBA. I've I've watched Victor Oladipo ever since he got drafted by the Magic. He's been a pretty interesting player from a perspective of like he came into the league, was obviously one of the best players on that on that Magic team, which was lacking a lot of talent. Got traded to Oklahoma City, played pretty well alongside Russ, and then kind of came into his own when he got traded. Him and DeMontis Sabanis got traded to Indiana and really kind of became their own players, both all-stars now. Obviously, Oladipo isn't this year because he hasn't played, but he's been really entertaining to watch. And I think he won the MIP two years ago, and he was just a great player to watch. He's really exciting, obviously one of the hardest workers on the court, so I'm very excited to see what he does when he comes back officially fully healthy. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I've been watching him since his Indiana days, really had high hopes for his NBA career that it seemed like almost like a Brandon Ingram type of story where it just didn't seem like he was going to do anything after his first couple of years in the league until, and obviously with a guy like Brandon Ingram in New Orleans now with an Oladipo making it to Indiana, they both kind of got this right fit and just exploded. You know, like everyone seemed to expect him to when they got into the league, but not after a couple of years. And Oladipo just turned into this amazing player. I mean, he's he's been a little rough in his return to say the least. His first two games, he played 21, 22 minutes because he's on that minutes restriction. Um, first game, he shot two of eight. Second game, two of 14, which you're not used to seeing from Victor Oladipo. But I think that's just you know you haven't played real basketball in so long like yeah you've done your training you've done some scrimmages 5v5 uh drill stuff like that but you know in front of the print in front of the fans with all this pressure i think it's going to take him a little bit to get kind of get back into his groove um i think after all-star break we should start seeing a, another kind of boom from him kind of getting back to his old self but you know for now in his first two games back they had one loss to the knicks uh, obviously an ugly loss and you know the the Pacers are currently right now fifth in the division. You know, obviously you talk about the place of bonus has been huge this year because he's been one of the best big men in the East. So where do you think that Oladipo's return, Do you first off, do you expect him to kind of get back to his old self from the past couple of years? And where do you think that Indiana could end up in the in the conference because they are currently fifth? Um, I, I fully expect him to return to where he was um, pre-injury. Um, he's just that exciting of a player. I'm interested to see where his burst is and where that comes back because obviously players like him and Derrick Rose when he got injured. Derrick Rose is playing well this year, but obviously he didn't come back the exact same as MVP D. Rose before the injuries. So it'll be interesting to see if Oladipo has that burst. But if he gets that back and he's back to like last year's Oladipo, they are going to be a force in the East. DeMontis Sabanis is really good. They have a great bench, and I know that they are definitely a threat in the East. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think that they can easily make a jump. I don't think anyone's obviously going to catch the Bucks for first place because they just have such a huge lead. I mean, the Bucks are currently six and a half games up on the Raptors, who are currently in the 2C. But then when you look at, you know, the 2 through 6 seed, really, so Toronto through Philadelphia, you only have about 
five games separating them. Indiana's only four and a half games out of second place right now. I don't think that they'll end up getting that high, but possibly top four. You know, I just, I could see them maybe passing the Heat later on in the season, but it's just tough because, I mean, you know, those two through six teams are obviously so close. You got Toronto, Boston, Miami, Indiana, Philadelphia. Just really kind of depends on who's playing well at the right time. And I, I don't think, you know, the Nets are in the seven seed. They're nine games behind Philadelphia for the six seed. I can't imagine they move up much. So those those two through six seeds are going to get real interesting because you look at a team like Miami and Boston. Boston's 20 and five at home. Miami's 21 and three at home. So they would obviously love to be home, you know, for that first round because they both kind of struggle on the road. Same thing with the Pacers. They're not quite as good as home. A little better on the road than Miami. But, you know, getting home field advantage is going to be so huge. Or home court advantage, sorry, is going to be so huge. And I think Victor Oladipo could potentially move the Pacers up into one of those four spots. So now let's go ahead and move on to our XFL preview. Obviously is going to be starting this upcoming weekend. We're going to break down some of the teams for you, some of the storylines to watch. Let's go ahead and start off. Casey, what are you most looking forward to about the XFL? Um, This year I'm pretty, I'm just looking forward to football after the Super Bowl. I mean, last year we had the AAF after the Super Bowl week started. I believe it's the same season layout, 10 games, uh, two games for playoffs, but I'm just a football fan. So and you give me free football, I'll watch free football. So I'm very excited about the XFL. Pick the Dallas Renegades as a team. I know we're both Renegades fans, so I'm interested to see where they go this season and just how the whole layout of the league and the overall football play overall kind of plays out. It'll be very interesting to watch for me. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for, you know, obviously to see these teams and all these great college players that we remember that are now in the XFL because they couldn't quite make it in the NFL. But I'm really excited to watch some of these rule changes, you know, going for the one, two, three-point play after a touchdown. I think that's going to be really interesting and really going to change the game. And then obviously they're going with a more safety approach on kickoffs where the nobody pretty much can move except for the kicker and the returner until the returner catches the ball. And then I think one really interesting rule that I cannot wait to see what they come up with for trick plays is the double forward pass i think that's going to be so so amazing to watch um now obviously with the upcoming week we got to talk about some of the teams uh both obviously renegades fans like you mentioned with bob's dupes at the helm casey who's another team that you think you could see making some noise in the xfl i'm gonna have to go with the dc defenders just looking up and down their roster they have a lot of nfl level talent or that talent that was in the NFL like obviously Cardell Jones I'm going to be very excited to see what he can do um being a Bills fan I didn't really get to see that when we drafted him we didn't really give him the the best chance at a starting job coaching change he went to LA and obviously he had the raw talent coming in and I'm very excited to see what he can do in the league he's got a lot of talent surrounding him what do you think Robbie what other teams are you looking at you know I am excited for the DC defenders because they have a guy like Donnell Pumphrey too along with Cardell Jones I think that's going to be a fun team to watch another thing I'm personally looking forward to is seeing how DeMornay Pearsonell does down in St. Louis you know not sure how good St. Louis is going to be they're kind of on the lower end as far as Vegas odds go for the upcoming season but you know DeMornay Pearsonell obviously former Husker player spent some time with the Raiders in the NFL on practice squad different things things like that and so I think that he can possibly obviously become a a really good receiver and returner in the XFL so he's one of the guys I'll be watching um another team I'll be watching is the Seattle Dragons because because they have the lowest odds currently according according to Vegas to win the XFL championship in the upcoming year but they have some some guys that are pretty excited to watch they have Brandon Silvers they have Keenan Reynolds who I loved when he was in college at Navy and I'm really excited to watch him again yeah Brandon Silvers though I I got to admit I was a Memphis Express fan last year for the AAF, and that whole team with Brandon Silvers was part of the problem too. They just were not good at all. So I don't know. I could see Brandon.
Brandon Silver is working out maybe in a different system. Obviously, Mike Singletary wasn't the best coach last year. That could have been the part of the issue, but we'll see. We'll see well, going on. Brandon Silver's is matched up with um, Jim Zorn this year, down or up in Seattle, who obviously has spent you know so much time as an offensive coach and a quarterbacks coach in the NFL. Uh, last most recently, he was with the Kansas City Chiefs in 2011, 2012 as a quarterbacks coach. Before that, with the Ravens and Joe Flacco in 2010. So I think a guy like Jim Zorn could be good for Brandon Silvers. I mean, ultimately, we'll see how it all plays out because you know we're throwing a needle in a haystack right here. We haven't seen any of these teams really play. We haven't seen any of the games, but. You know, I'm I'm very much excited for the XFL. Another team I'm kind of looking at is the LA Wildcats with uh, Josh Johnson, probably the consensus MVP at this point for the consensus preseason MVP for the league so far. Obviously, between him and Landry Jones, as we looked up the odds for it earlier, running back Elijah Hood, who had a solid NFL career, they're going to be very interesting to me. Though I love the way that they did it with the. That's the one thing that I felt with the AAF that they kind of went wrong with the territorial draft, where obviously like a team like Memphis isn't going to get the best players because they're getting players from. Tennessee and I like that they went with more of a all right we're going to do an official full league draft four-day draft for every single team kind of spread out the talent a lot so right now we really don't know who could emerge as the best team in the league with coaching with player personnel it's just going to be overall very interesting to watch I think I think the the last guy I'm excited to watch especially is a, a guy like Aaron Murray down with the Tampa Bay Vipers just because you know everyone had high hopes for him coming out of Georgia which you know he kind of had the your stereotypical SEC quarterback career was pretty good in college always had higher expectations than he could meet goes on to the NFL didn't do a whole lot but I, I think it, it could be a good chance of redemption for him show off still that he has some arm talent some accuracy so he's probably he's probably my my biggest underdog for the MVP this year down with the Tampa Bay Vipers. Uh, moving on to our next segment, obviously Barstool Sports, it's a big area of sports media right now and the big acquisition that where they sold uh, 38% of their shares, I believe, to Penn Gaming. It was a 36% stake for $163 million. What do you think about all that? I think it's crazy just the explosion we've seen from Barstool Sports because, you know, a lot of people love them. A lot of people hate them. But regardless of your actual feelings about them, you can't deny the fact that they have just completely overtaken this market. Like, they have grown grown so much over the past few years. The fact that Penn National actually valued their company at $450 million is just insane. And obviously ended up investing $163 million for a part ownership and their exclusive rights to use Barstool's Barstool's brand on all its betting products and platforms, different things like that. I think it's a really good move for both because I think it'll help Barstool keep expanding. But then obviously Penn National gets this market of all these Barstool sports fans, which is, you know, so much of kind of the younger generation. So I think it should be good for both sides. And I'm I'm interested to see where it's going to go in the future. What about you, Casey? Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, if they're basically getting a large chunk of the sports gambling market, so it kind of is it's a huge draw for Penn National Gaming. I know they own the Tropicana in Las Vegas and I don't know if you're if you're a, what what they call them stoolies. Um if you're a stoolie and you're going to Las Vegas, which sports book are you going to visit? Are you going to visit the one that says possibly the Barstool Sports sports book or are you just going to go to a random casino? So they're definitely getting a large amount of the market and it, it's very interesting to see where they go from here. I know um, Dave Portnoy, regardless of what you feel about him and his views on everything, he has built 
barstool sports from the ground up and there is an audience there so it'll be very interesting to see where they can go in the future with the brand and how they can build it yeah, I mean, eventually here in a few years, we'll be going to Vegas and making our own bets down at the Barstool Sportsbook. But uh, let's go ahead and move on to some daily fantasy sports, um, which I kind of struggled with last week, apparently, because a couple of my guys ended up pl- not playing. Like Derek Rose only played like 12 minutes because he got hurt. DeAndre Hunter was a game time or a, a late scratch on game day. So, you know, to all, all the listeners who, who banked on those two guys, I'm sorry. I did not expect that to happen. But I got some good plays for you this week, starting with Jalen Brunson. Um, he's coming off a 27-8-4 and eight and four game against the Atlanta Hawks, who obviously don't have one of the best defenses. But he's getting a minutes increase over the past few games. And this weekend, he's playing against the Washington Wizards and the Charlotte Hornets, who are, who are two of the worst defenses probably in the NBA I think that he's going to continue getting some more minutes continue getting more looks and I think they'll be scoring a bunch of points this weekend and that Jalen Brunson will kind of be a large part of that then another guy I do like is LaMarcus Aldridge which he's played not the best basketball of his career obviously over the past few games um really struggled last game but he's such a cheap buy right now and he still has the talent when he gets the looks and when he gets on fire he is hard to stop you know just three games ago he dropped almost 35 points and like 11 or 12 rebounds so I think that he is going to be looking for a bounce back game against the Kings this Saturday night. I do expect him. I like him as a buy low option just because of the mad talent or the raw talent he has. Sorry. And those are my two best NBA plays for this weekend. Casey, what do you have in the NHL? Uh, looking last week, a lot of my guys slowed down. It was a weird week because obviously they had the all-star break. So guys that were on hot streaks kind of slowed down after that. Ilya Kovalchuk did pretty well. I, I had him on some of my picks last week. He had a couple goals last week. He was, he was pretty solid. Other than that, the, all of the uh, Blackhawks that I picked kind of fell apart. Taves wasn't playing as well. Um, Dominic Kabalik wasn't playing as well. Eric Gustafson kind of slowed down too. So going looking ahead to this week, I think I've got a lot better picks after kind of seeing where the hot streaks are and who's hot right now in the NHL. Um, some low salary guys to keep an eye on. Oh, Quinn Hughes was another pick last week. He's been on fire coming back from the All-Star break. Five points in four games this last week. Uh, JT Miller, winger for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's been on fire too. Uh, four goals, four assists in his last five games. Uh, Blues winger Zach Sanford. Uh, seven points in his last five games, two goals, five assists. He's been absolutely on fire for the Blues. High salary guys to keep an eye on. Jack Eichel, uh, three goals in his last three games. That's the only stats that he's recorded over his last three games. But with the Sabres pushing farther and farther into mediocrity, they need a guy like him to step up and just take control of the team. So I'm really looking forward to him as they're trying to make long shot playoff push to continue to put up some numbers. Uh, Leander Dreisaitl, eight points, two goals, six assists in his last three games. That's a guy that you need in your lineup every single night, along with Connor McDavid if you have that kind of salary left over. And Tory Krug, defenseman for the Boston Bruins, two goals, three assists in his last two games. I would keep adding him to your lineups. He's a really good player. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he can do as the Bruins are one of the hottest teams in the NHL still. So it's always good to add a player from a hot team. Looking forward, though, past just the NBA and NHL, we got a new league. Obviously, we touched on the XFL earlier. Who are some of your XFL picks for this weekend, Rob? Bobby. 
You know, this is kind of tough because, again, with XFL, this is kind of a total shot in the dark. You don't really know who's going to get, be getting touches. You don't know what teams are going to look like. But a couple guys I do like, uh, number one, Cameron Artis Payne. He is a, a cheaper running back. I think he's like sixth or seventh long running backs this week, which is really good value for him. With Landry Jones questionable and them still being about a seven-point favorite, I think that he could get a lot of touches, especially if they do get up big. Um, I think he's a great running back. I do think he'll have a great game. And then another guy I really like is Keenan, Keenan Reynolds, who I mentioned earlier for Seattle. You can find him for about 8,100 which is it's pretty high for a wide receiver but it's probably about ninth or 10th so he's still a little bit down the spectrum I think he just adds a whole lot because obviously with Navy he could run the ball he can catch the ball now because he played he has played wide receiver for a few years and then also with that double pass again I think that they could drop some trick plays because he played quarterback in Navy obviously it's Navy you're on the triple option but he had a lot of pass attempts he accumulated a pretty good amount of passing touchdowns over his Navy career for a a triple option quarterback so I think I think a guy like him he could be getting involved in some trick plays getting a lot of touches just because of his versatility I think that you're looking at a lot of different ways they're going to try to find Keenan try to get the ball to Keenan Reynolds so Casey who are some of the guys you like this weekend in the XFL I chose to keep it pretty basic just because we don't really know who the sneakers are and who's the new players that are coming in and who's going to be a boomer bust candidate because obviously we haven't seen these any of these teams play because there's no preseason but uh looking at the teams i would say that josh johnson will be a you got to have him in your lineup just because dual threat quarterback probably the most talented quarterback in the league been around the nfl so everyone's probably seen him play i think josh johnson's gonna have a really good game Uh, another guy i want to kind of key on is sammy Coates. obviously a lot of people he had a lot of hype coming into the nfl third round i believe a lot of chance a lot of people thought that he was going to turn into something in the nfl never really panned out but he was explosive at auburn and connor cook's going to need a favorite target so i think sammy Coates is going to have a huge day or whoever wins the job for the Houston Roughnecks. But Sammy Coates is going to have a huge day and probably be one of the best wide receivers in the XFL is my prediction. All right, Casey, let's keep helping him win some money. Obviously, last week we both went 1-0 and with our lock of the week picks. So go ahead, give me your lock of the week. Give me some other games you're looking at for, for this weekend and what you like. Um, This week for the lock, I would say probably I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with another NHL lock this week. I'm going to go with the Red Wings on the road against Columbus. I'm going to go with Columbus, obviously, over the Red Wings in this scenario. Columbus is a hot team, and Detroit is a league worst at covering the spread with 22% of the time they cover the spread. Jimmy Howard is not a good goalie. He's just I think he's giving up a... 4.3 goals per game which is just putrid in that NHL and they're they're a team that's tanking for Alex Lafreniere so they're really not going out there trying to win so I'm I'm going with Columbus Columbus is also 6 and 2 covering the spread in their last 8 games so that one is my lock of the week what about you Robbie All right so my lock of the week I'm taking a total shot in the dark again here I'm going with the LA Wildcats they're currently plus 3 and a half at the Houston Roughnecks um the main reason behind this is I do like the Wildcats roster just a little bit more than the Roughnecks but also Vegas has the Wildcats far higher on the championship list than Houston so I think that the fact that they're coming in as the underdog in game one is kind of odd I don't think home field advantage is going to make a crazy amount of difference in the XFL which I mean I obviously could be wrong but I'm going to go ahead this weekend I'm going to hammer the LA Wildcats I really like them Casey you got any uh, any more games you like this weekend um I'm just going to go with the Renegades obviously the Renegades we looked they're uh, plus 300 to win the league um best chance in the in the XFL obviously Andrew Jones you talked about earlier he's questionable for this game but Eric John Eric Dungy is a solid backup um I don't know I'm just kind of expecting a really good showing from them so that would probably be my next pick 
that the renegades this weekend you know i also do have the renegades i went ahead picked every single xfl game granted there's only four but i picked them all i do like the renegades minus seven against st louis i love the dc defenders minus six and a half against seattle again i don't think seattle's gonna be very good i think they'll be kind of exciting to watch but just not a good football team and then lastly the guardians are plus one and a half against the tampa bay vipers i i think you know we're gonna get one close game because we do have a couple touchdown spreads so i do like the guardians as an underdog against the vipers all right so casey now it is time for one of our favorite segments is it an overreaction and of course you guys know how how this works i'll give casey a take he'll give me one and we will both say whether or not we think each other's takes are overreactions and we'll kind of explain our opinions on them all right so casey my first take for you is that pat pat mahomes will win at least four super bowls in his career i'm gonna go with not an overreaction and the reason that i say that is it's it's hinging on next season Next season, obviously, Pat Mahomes is last year of his rookie contract, most likely. He's not going to get the fifth-year option. He's going to hit the get an extension with Kansas City. That's going to be a monster extension with the Kansas City Chiefs. So if they're able to win and repeat next year, I think his chances go way up. Other than that, if they don't hit next year and win the Super Bowl, it's going to be very tough with a quarterback that's going to take up around 25% of your team's salary for the rest of his career to win three more. I just think it's tough to do. Part of the reason why the Patriots have had such success is that Tom Brady does his salary doesn't absolutely kill the Patriots cap chances every single year so and that's not going to happen in the league anymore so it'll be very interesting to see if Pat Mahomes repeats I say it is not an overreaction if he doesn't repeat it's going to be close all right Casey what do you got for me all right Nebraska men's basketball will win three more games this season not a chance they win three more games this season I am sorry but it is not going to happen you know just looking at their schedule they have a lot of road games left they have a lot of tough road games left you're looking at I'm just already counting out these as just losses. They're not going to win these games. They're not winning at Iowa, at Maryland, home against Michigan State, at Illinois, home against Ohio State, and at Michigan. No chance in any of those games. I'm sorry, Nebraska. It's just not happening. But they do have a few winnable games left. That three is a borderline number. I think these are going to be tough because their three winnable games are at home against Northwestern, which should be a win. Northwestern is easily the worst team in the Big Ten this year. Then also at home against Wisconsin, which is tough. You know, Wisconsin's always one of those just well-disciplined teams that's going to play you tough. They don't have necessarily the talent they have this year in past, but I still think that I'd lean Wisconsin over Nebraska. And then again, their final game is at, or their final possible winning game is at Minnesota, which again, Minnesota has been far better than Nebraska. They showed me a lot better that they're just a better team. I think Nebraska wins honestly one or two more regular season games and three three is going to be extremely tough for this team in the schedule okay Casey my next take for you is that the NBA trade deadline is going to be boring I I really don't know about this one but I'm going to say that that is an overreaction mainly because every single year they say that the trade deadline is going to be boring and something happens there's going to be a huge move that's going to happen Obviously not a lot of stars available at this year's trade deadline. Just looking up and down the list of some of the people that are rumored to be traded. Uh, Clint Capella is a new addition to that recently. Andre Drummond, uh, Steven Adams, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Derek Rose. Derek Rose, or uh, D'Angelo Russell with the rumors recently about the New York Knicks and a couple other teams. That could get interesting during the deadline. And of course, right when that deadline happens on the 6th, there can be crazy trades that get submitted that 
funnel in all the way throughout the night because they're getting reported on late so i think it'll be an, an exciting trade deadline some championship caliber teams like the lakers might pick up some more pieces that could solve their championship puzzle i'm really looking forward to the trade deadline this year yeah a couple more guys that can you know immediately get traded and possibly help out a contender guys like Danilo gallinari he's been rumored tied to some teams um drew holiday's kind of had all season i know the miami heat have been interested in him and some some more teams recent or more recently. And then, you know, another guy like Andre Godala, who has not played a single game for the Memphis Grizzlies this year and wants to be traded. You know, you look at a team like the Los Angeles Lakers again, who could use some more wing depth than obviously the Houston Rockets have been looking for, for more wings because they're going to end up needing to guard guys like, you know, like LeBron James, like Kawhi Leonard, like Paul George. So they need good, strong defensive wings. And then, you know, just like Andre Godala, you have Robert Covington in Minnesota who can possibly be on the move. So I think, I think we're not going to get necessarily any blockbuster trades that like like it just blows your mind when you see it like last year we got paul george to the clippers obviously that wasn't at the trade deadline it was in the off season but i don't think we're going to get anything quite that crazy i think d'angelo russell probably be the biggest player with the chance of getting moved a guy like andre drummond too but you know it'll it'll be interesting to see then obviously next week on the show we'll be recapping everything that did happen so let's hope for an exciting one but well i just i don't necessarily see it happening but That'll be all right. Casey, what's your what's your next take for me? All right, my next take for you, Robbie, is that last night's halftime show with Shakira and J-Lo was the best halftime show since Prince's. Yes, 100%. Yes, it was so awesome to watch. Obviously, with, you know, the Miami culture, the Miami region, having two women that are, you know, Latina obviously helped. And I just think it was entertaining to watch. Obviously, I think... Uh, Shakira was lip syncing a little bit it seemed like I don't think Jayla was but Shakira definitely was a part so then obviously Shakira had that meme moment with you know the whole tongue wiggle thing that was <laughs> that was pretty pretty odd but um, I definitely do think that they it was the best I don't mind lip syncing as much with shows like this because I'd rather it sound good and if you don't think you can sound good then lip sync um I think Katy Perry with the Sharks was pretty good, actually. I think Lady Gaga was another good one in recent years, but I would say that J-Lo and Shakira both topped both of those. So I, I don't think that's too big of an overreaction. I think that's a pretty good take there. All right, so Casey, my last one for you is that Super Bowl commercials continue to get less memorable and more boring. That is 100% not an overreaction. I've honestly, the last couple of years, the Super Bowl commercials have just been boring to me. I think they've gotten into this this need to be like sentimental and moving which i just don't understand because you're an ad like you know well that google ad was probably one of the most memorable from the super bowl and that was incredibly incredibly emotional it was sad like i'm watching football and hanging out with my friends i don't want to be thinking about all this sad stuff like what i I just don't understand it i I wish they would go back to the funny commercials the stuff that sticks in your head like none of the stuff from last night sticks in my head and just out in in one ear out the other see i have i have one from last night that still sticks in my head and that is the mc hammer can't touch this cheeto commercial i thought that was so well done and so funny yeah i agree that they're just continuing to get more and more boring all right last hot take coming up for you robbie Pat Mahomes will be the undisputed greatest quarterback of all time when he retires, barring injuries. This is not an overreaction. It pains me to say because I'm as big of a Tom Brady fan as you can find, especially in Nebraska, but Pat Mahomes just has unbelievable talent. You know, we almost saw a normal Pat Mahomes. We almost saw a bad game Pat Mahomes last night, but we didn't. He ended up you know, scoring a bunch of touchdowns, leading his team to a 21 nothing fourth quarter and the Super Bowl. Um, I think when it's all said and done, again, barring injuries like you mentioned, I think that he's going to be 
the best to ever do it. I think he has the unbelievable talent. I think Andy Reid will probably stick around for a good portion of Pat Mahomes' career, and I think together that they can do a lot of different things. It will be interesting because obviously he's going to end up losing playmakers like Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. At some point, they're going to get older, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do with a little less, especially when he takes on a bigger salary because he's undoubtedly going to as he deserves. Um, I definitely don't think that the playmakers make Pat Mahomes. I think that he is just an unbelievable talent, and I do think he will go down as the greatest of all time. All right, so for this next segment, of course, it is our Husker Sports segment. Well, I'll just run you through a brief recap of the week. We had women's tennis taken on Creighton and Air Force. They beat Creighton 4-0, Air Force 4-3. Uh, men's gymnastics traveled to Illinois this past weekend, lost by about 8 points. Men's basketball took on Penn State in the coaches versus cancer game, lost by 12 points, 76-64 in that game. Uh, men's tennis taken on Auburn and uh, University of Missouri-Kansas City. Lost to Auburn 1-6, but beat UMKC 7-0. Wrestling actually had a very impressive win this past weekend. Uh, took on Ohio State, won 19-14, and Ohio State's always one of the top wrestling schools, so that's huge for the program. And then finally, we talked about women's basketball playing Ohio State in last er, in last week's episode, and they ended up losing that game 80-74. to uh, Casey, what was your most memorable Husker sports moment of the past week? Um, not too much. Just, there was a lot of losses this last week. The men's basketball team continues to go out and play a pretty solid first half and then kind of fall apart after that. I was really looking forward to seeing if the women would be able to win in Ohio State. That's kind of a tournament-level test, you know, for a team that's hoping to make the tournament. Obviously, they didn't, but it'll be interesting to see how they rebound from that. Um, just looking forward, we'll we'll see. We'll continue to follow the women's basketball team as on their quest for the tournament. Robbie, what did, what did you see this weekend that you really liked from Nebraska sports? You know, again, like I mentioned, wrestling against Ohio State. I mean, Nebraska's been a great wrestling team this year but Ohio State has constantly been one of the top you know them and Penn State like I'm as casual of a wrestling fan as it gets but I know that them and Penn State are constantly dominant in the sport so I actually was paying attention a little bit to wrestling this past weekend versus Ohio State and it's just so impressive that they were able to beat Ohio State and I think that puts them in a really good spot for for recruiting for future play you know with Big Tens coming up soon um, NCAA is coming up I think that's a big confidence booster getting a, a big win over a team like that so let's go ahead and let's go ahead and run through our preview of next week's uh, sporting events here at Nebraska. Some of the things that I'm looking forward to, we got softball starting up their season down in New Mexico, playing New Mexico State, UTEP, Bradley, and Arkansas in the Troy Cox Invitational. So four games over, I think, three days. Women's basketball, like you mentioned, looking to see how they're going to be preparing for the tournament. They play at Iowa and versus Indiana coming up soon this weekend. Uh, track and field's going down to the Gorilla Classic in Kansas. We have our wrestling team taking on Purdue at Purdue, which I think, you know, they're hoping to continue their hot streak after just being Ohio State. We got men's basketball going on, taking on our rival Iowa Hawkeyes. And then finally, we got women's gymnastics against Maryland. Casey, which of those are you most excited to watch this week? I'm going to stick with basketball and go with the men's basketball team here. Obviously, they haven't been the most entertaining team this season. They've been a little bit of a letdown according to fan expectations. But it'll be interesting to see what they can do against the Iowa team that they've had success with, obviously beating them here at Pinnacle Bank Arena. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do against them this weekend. Also, women's basketball, obviously, um, their quest for the tournament. It'll be interesting to see how they continue along with their season. Um, other than that, I- I'm going to definitely start paying attention more to the wrestling team because they are definitely making some noise, as, you can, as you've said. Uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend? You know, I'm definitely looking forward to, just as you mentioned, basketball 
both women's and men's taking on at Iowa. I mean, anytime, you know, Nebraska plays Iowa, you got to tune in. Regardless of the sport, regardless of how good one team's supposed to be versus how good the other team's supposed to be, it's always going to be a competitive game. You're always going to see each team at their best. So, you know, men's basketball, if they could get a win at Iowa, who knows, maybe my take about them only or winning less than three more regular season games would be wrong. But, you know, I think that both of them are going to be tough competitions. I think that both of them, there is a little bit of faith in uh, in the Huskers to bring home the wins, especially in the women's basketball. Men's basketball might be a little bit more of a blowout, but I am excited to see what both those teams can do at Iowa this weekend. So now let's go ahead. We're going to be talking about the NBA All-Star Game. First, we're going to start off with some of the new format changes, some of the new rules they're implementing, and then we'll go ahead and we will do our own NBA All-Star Mock Draft, which we're both looking forward to. Um, so for those of you who don't know, the score is going to reset after every single quarter now. It's actually going to go back to 0-0, except for at the start of the fourth quarter, because then they're going to accumulate the whole score and add 24 points to it, and, or you're going to need to add 24 points to it, and that's the score of the leading team. So let's say the score is 200 to 190, which I can't imagine it gets that high, but so then whoever's the first team to get 224 will win, and of course that 24 points is in honor of Kobe Bryant. Um, one thing I'm really looking forward to is that with resetting every quarter, whichever team wins the quarter, uh, so obviously outscoring the opponent in that quarter, gets to donate to a charity of their choice between Team Giannis and Team LeBron. Casey, what do you think these new rules are going to gonna look like? I think they're a great tribute to Kobe. It'll, it's an interesting way to spice up the All-Star game, which I'm always looking forward to. As we touched on All-Star games last week's episode, sometimes not the most entertaining. Let's hope that maybe with uh, charitable bonuses and stuff like that, that the guys will actually go out there and play pretty hard. Um, other than that, it's it It'll be entertaining. I always love All-Star Weekend. It's a celebrity affair, so it'll be fun to watch. All right, so now it is time for us to do our own NBA All-Star Mock Draft. Um, If you aren't familiar with how it works, pretty much I will represent Team LeBron. Casey will represent Team Giannis, and we'll pretty much bounce back and forth. I'll get the first pick with the starters, and we'll draft all the starters. And then when we come to the reserves, Casey will get the first pick with the reserves, and we'll both just fill out our teams that way and go back and forth. So... Oh man, you know, took a lot of a lot of thought into this first pick, but with my first pick, I'm going to go with Anthony Davis. That's a solid pick right there. Um, with my first pick, I am going to go with Kawhi Leonard. Interesting. It's always tough with with the All Star draft because you know, obviously, you got to score a lot, but then it's coming down to obviously just picking the best players. So with my next pick, I'm going to go with everyone's favorite Slovenian and go with Luka Doncic. That's a solid pick. Solid pick. Uh, with my next pick, I am going to go. I'm going to go with Trey Young. That was that was going to be my next pick. I wanted those points, but that's a good pick. All right, so my next pick. Oh, now this gets a little tough. You know, I already have a big man. I think I'm going to go with another scoring guard, so I'm going to take James Harden. That's a good move right there. With my next pick, I am going to go with Joel Embiid. Man, I'm surprised you haven't taken Pascal Siakam yet. I'm loaded up with forwards right now. Yeah, now i got to decide if I want to go with, with Kemba and just try to make you go bigger if i want to go with pascal all right i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna take kemba walker i'm sticking you with all those big men well i know brandon ingram can play uh so i'm gonna i'll wait for later for that i guess yeah you are sticking me with all the big men right now um wow this is is gonna be a funky lineup um i'm gonna go with pascal because I can move my lineup around. You had to go with Pascal. That was I a lot of Pascal, yeah. 
So now it is now we're on to the reserves round. So it is your first pick with the reserves. With the reserves, okay. So I'm, this is this is an obvious one. I need the guards, so I'm going to go with Dame. Dame's been money lately. I got to go with him. Yeah, he. I mean, he's playing some of the best basketball I've ever seen. Oh man, now it might be good for me to get another big man, but I just don't love any of these guys this early. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going with another guard. I'm going to go with Russell Westbrook just because he knows what it takes to win an all-star game and he is so fun to watch. Yeah, he always brings the intensity regardless of the situation. Yep. So it'll be fun to watch him in the all-star game like usual. Um, Since I need another guard, again, because I kind of got snubbed there earlier, I am going to go with, I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler. He's listed as a forward, but you can play. He's played at guard a lot this season for the Miami Heat. So he has played played a lot at that two position. All right, so you know I'm just looking kind of at the best best guys available at this point. I think I am gonna end up taking a big man now. I think I'm gonna go with Nikola Jokic, the Joker. I think he's just a great playmaker. I think he can add a lot to my team. So I'm gonna take Nikola Jokic with my next pick. My pick. Looking up and down this roster, I'm definitely gonna need some more forward help now. So. Got a young team as it is, so I'm I'm I think I'm gonna go. And we talked about him a little bit earlier. I am going to go with Bam Adebayo. Going back to back Miami Heat players, man, you just spoiled my whole draft for me. <laughs> All right, so with my next pick, you know, I think I'm just I'm looking for a guy that can get me some buckets, maybe hit some threes because I don't have a ton of shooting. I have James Harden and Kemba Walker who can both shoot a little bit, I, but I don't have a three point specialist, so I'm gonna go with Chris Middleton with my next pick, taking taking Chris away from Giannis. That's a good move. Chris Middleton's been really solid recently. I use my next pick anyways. Um, since I've got a pretty, mm, you know, I'm going to go with experience here. Chris Paul. He's had a really solid season with the Thunder. I think he could help out my team immensely here. Yeah, give give some leadership to some of your younger guys. Because mm-hmm. Kawhi's not a very vocal leader, I don't think. <laughs> All right, I think I'm going to look for possibly another big man here. I think I'm going to go with DeMonte Sabonis. I think he's probably the best all-star choice out of this. Um, obviously, Rudy Gobert is still available, but I'm going to I'm gonna go rock with Sabonis. It's a good move there. I am going to do the same exact thing. You just said his name, Rudy Gobert. Obviously, the all-star game is exciting. I want to see some blocks. Who doesn't? Rudy Gobert, hopefully he'll get it done for me. Man, you have Embiid, Autobio, and Gobert. My team is not scoring at the rim. <laughs> Trying to make it tough on you. All right, so my next pick. Oof, this is a tough one. I think I'm going to have to go with... I think I'm going to have to go with Donovan Mitchell. I want I want those highlight plays. I want the Spider-Man on my team. It's a good move, good move. Looking up and down, I think, just because I'm a Raptors fan, I'm going to go Kyle Lowry. Got to put him on the team. He, he can bring some experience, too, just like a CP3 there. Ah, uh, good old Kyle Lowry. All right, my next pick. Man, we are dwindling down here. So just so everyone knows who we've left, we have Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, and Jason Tatum left to choose from. I think I'm going to go with Brandon Ingram. I think he's been playing too well for him to even be available this late, and I think he can get me some buckets. That's a good move. And I am going to stick you with Ben Simmons. Uh I just don't like his game. I've never really respected it. Obviously, it's impressive the way he gets to the rim, and he's a good passer, but until he develops a jump shot and can start hitting threes like any other guard in the NBA, just not named Avery Bradley or Rajon Rondo, I'm just not that impressed with him. So I'm going to go with the young 
on guard from the Boston Celtics with a lot of potential, Jason Tatum. You know, I didn't really want Ben Simmons either. Um, Again, for some of those same points, but I do think he had some playmaking to my team. I think he can be pretty excited. I mean, looking at him, you know, pairing him with a guy like Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Donovan Mitchell. I think there's a lot of highlight play opportunities there with uh, with Ben Simmons as my my main playmaker. Or obviously not my main play main playmaker, but when he's on the floor, I think he can create for some of those guys. So I think you know I'm I like my team. Yeah, I'm pretty solid with my team right now too. Obviously, Giannis, the Greek freak, you can't go wrong there. Um, Jojo and Bam Adebayo, as you said earlier, it's going to be very tough to score on them. And Rudy Gobert. So when you get when you get Jojo off the floor, you get incoming Rudy Gobert coming in. Obviously, Dame and Trey is probably a, as good a guard tandem as you're going to see in this game. Pretty excited about that. Kawhi and Giannis, solid forward grouping there. I'm really over, overall looking up and down my roster. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I just have a bunch of guys that can create with the ball in their hands. Guys like Luka, James Harden, LeBron, obviously Russell Westbrook. And then, you know, I have some more exciting players like Donovan Mitchell. And then I just have some overall some good talent. You know, I like my big man. I got a couple foreign white guys as my big man, Nikola Jokic and Demonte Sabonis, who I'm excited about. And then paired with Anthony Davis, I am definitely the smaller team of the two. Um, but, you know, I think we can spread the floor. I think we'll be fast. And I'm excited to see how many of our mock draft picks are actually what LeBron and, and Yon end up choosing in the draft yeah i always love tuning into that i remember last year uh was it lebron that accused or no it was Giannis that accused lebron of tampering yeah because because lebron drafted ad yeah it was pretty funny i I, it's always cool to see players out of their element you know all-star weekend skills challenge the draft all that it's just cool to see just them not at their competitive heights and just kind of hanging out like normal dudes you know yeah so the nba all-star draft will actually be on thursday night so the night that our episode will release so be sure to tune in and see how casey and i did it on our picks so be sure you guys tune in next week casey and i will be breaking down how the first week of xfl games went obviously we'll both be paying attention to how we do as far as the all-star draft and then we'll also be breaking down the trade deadline like we mentioned earlier with the nba trade deadline coming up on thursday should be an exciting episode obviously you guys can find us wherever you get your podcast now we are on soundcloud spotify and apple Podcasts. so be sure to tune in to next week's episode and we're looking forward to it <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.